Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Ariana Bravo and this is the Autosport Podcast. It was the first day of Cars on Track in Hungary and Max Verstappen took the top spot in a disrupted first practice session. While in FP2 it was a Mercedes 1-2 with Valtteri Bottas leading Lewis Hamilton ahead of Max Verstappen who was P3. Sergio Perez was 9 tenths off his teammate's pace in FP1, finishing the session P8, but managed to put in a better showing in FP2 to finish up P5. FP1 was interrupted by a red flag after Yuki Tsunoda crashed at Turn 4, where Fernando Alonso had also spun earlier in the session, and Tsunoda's crash brought out the red flag for 5 minutes. The damage to his car took a while to repair, and he didn't get back on track until 2 minutes before the end of FP2, later in the afternoon. Meanwhile, his teammate Pierre Gasly was looking confident in his Alpha Tauri, setting the 5th fastest time in FP1 and 6th fastest in FP2. Esteban Ocon managed to finish P4 in FP2, splitting the Red Bull drivers and outpacing his teammate by 4 tenths. Whilst there was on-track action today, I think it's safe to say that all eyes were closely following the off-track drama that has been unfolding since Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen's collision at Silverstone. Of course, there has been some pretty strongly worded statements from both sides regarding the incident, and Red Bull requested the FIA review Lewis's penalty, but yesterday evening this request was rejected after the FIA deemed that Red Bull had not presented significant and new elements which were unavailable at the time of the decision. Right, so there is lots to discuss surrounding this and we will cover as much as we can today and joining me to do so is Jonathan Noble, Motorsport.com's F1 editor. John, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, actually. It's been a uh, a fascinating two weeks in Silverstone. Really busy news-wise, moving around a lot. Um, 
And I think, although I'm kind of bored by the whole Max V. Lewis saga and um, kind of the, the toing and froing of it all, you also got to remember that this is, we'll look back on this moment in years to come. It'll be like the Senna Prost clashes at Suzuka we've had. That it is a big moment in Formula One and it's fascinating how it develops. And, you know, we don't know how it's going to proceed from here. So it is important to keep on top of it and we can't can't just ignore it because it's been we've been talking about it every day for two weeks. Yeah, it's been absolutely everywhere. And rather fittingly, we, got, we are going to start by talking about it. Get it out of the way before we get into the on-track action that we saw today in FP1 and FP2. So, as you said, it's been a drama-filled couple of weeks since Silverstone. Of course, we had the big incident. And yesterday, we had the rejection of Red Bull's petition for the FIA to review Lewis's 10-second uh, penalty. Can you just talk us through what Red Bull were requesting there? Of course, we know that they presented, well, they were supposed to present new, significant, relevant information, um, but it was rejected because it wasn't deemed that the what they presented was any of those things. Um, can you talk us through what it was that they were hoping to achieve and how they were hoping to achieve it with the evidence they presented? We know that Alex Albon apparently reenacted uh the lines that Hamilton was taking across Silverstone which has had everyone very uh interested shall we say <laughs> so just talk to us a bit more about that so Red Bull's basic aim was to get they wanted the stewards to reopen the case because they felt that the 10 second penalty handed down for um Lewis's part in the accident wasn't they didn't feel it was strong enough and um they felt a much harsher penalty um was worthy but there's no the process, the way penalties handed out in Formula One, there was no way they could appeal the penalty for Lewis in uh, at Silverstone. So you can't appeal in-race penalties. So the only option you have subsequent to that is a thing called right of review, which um, is kind of an open door that teams have for two weeks. So it basically means if a new element, a significant um, and new element comes to light significant and relevant new element is discovered they can request the stewards can look back again um look at a penalty and um start again but there's there's quite a high bar to get this over the line so red bull presented a quite lengthy series of slides to the fia yesterday um talking about it um primarily they were gps um plots and speed plots of Primarily, it was the the Lewis v Max um, incident on lap one, and then comparing a lot of the comparisons with Lewis and Charles Leclerc on lap fifty when he um, overtook him for the lead. So comparisons of where the cars were positioned, where Charles was, what speeds they were doing, um, and Red Bull's argument was that Lewis had gone into cops too hot, um, far too fast on the wrong line, and they argue he wouldn't have got around that corner. Um, what he was doing without colliding with Max. Therefore, um, he was entirely to blame for that incident. The stewards looked at the evidence and said it wasn't um, it wasn't discovered. It, the, the evidence had been subsequently created in some respects because Red Bull had created these plots. So they'd pulled together the GPS data. They'd also, as you mentioned, um, got Alex Albon on a filming day last week to simulate Lewis Hamilton's speed into cops to try to indicate that on the speed he was at and where he was on the track, how difficult it would have been for him to get around the corner. So they presented this speed trace as well. 
But stewards said it wasn't um, significant, wasn't relevant, hadn't been discovered, it had been created, and therefore um, threw it out, basically. Um, so no chance of any review of the penalty. The penalty stands. Um, and while Red Bull... Um, you know, keep trying to draw a line underneath it. They're, they're, they're still angry, still disappointed. They're still quite... Um, Max especially was upset about the way that Mercedes celebrated after the race. Um, and then I think Mercedes, you sense they've kind of lost patience with the situation because, um, mm. you know, there, there were heated words on the Sunday night at Silverstone um, from Red Bull about Lewis being dangerous, um, had been amateurish and um, all this sort of thing. And then Toto Wolff... Um, spoke to us basically and made an attempt to try and dampen down the the tensions and the situations because there's been this horrendous um, racist abuse of Lewis Hamilton and social media had exploded so it was a, it was a tense situation probably something we've seen not seen in Formula One in the social media era this kind of the, this clash of fans and clash of opinions and heated debate so there was an attempt by deliberate attempt by Mercedes to try to pull it back a bit um you know they felt that some of the comments that rebel had made had been too personal and had gone over the line and you know it, there was an opportunity there for red bull to have reined it back a little bit too to maybe say yeah well you know perhaps what we said was a step too far but you know we can agree to disagree with the accident but red bull doubled down basically they doubled down on the criticisms of the team um they doubled down on their messaging that they felt Lewis was to blame. They doubled down on the un- unease and unhappiness about the celebrations. Um, and then were quite aggressive in this um, approach to the stewards for the right review. And I think that's what prompted Mercedes last night to issue this very strongly worded um, press release reaction, you know, accusing them of t- trying to tarnish Lewis's name. So the tensions are still there. Um, the friction is still there. Um, and I think it won't won't go away, and you know it, it will get resurrected the next time these these two drivers are, are fighting on track. Because we haven't seen the last battle between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. We definitely have not, and yeah, I think everyone was quite shocked actually at the strength of the response from Mercedes because they'd been quite quiet about it in the face of Red Bull's repeated uh, comments. For for example, as you said, Max Verstappen on social media, very unhappy about how Lewis had celebrated, even though Lewis had come out and said, I didn't actually even know he was in hospital when those celebrations happened. Christian Horner, of course, uh, very vocal on the whole situation. And then, yeah, this statement from Mercedes yesterday where they discussed the concerted attempt by senior management of Red Bull to tarnish the name and I think it was sporting integrity of Lewis Hamilton, very, very strongly worded. And as you said, probably indicating that they have lost their patience with this. But going into today, I know that you've spoken to Toto um, after the sessions today. What has been the vibe from the team principals now? Is Toto still sounding pretty firm in that? I know that he's come out and said that he just thinks it was inappropriate the way Red Bull responded and that actually it was almost, I think he said it was helping create divisions as opposed to bringing the fans together, which like you've said, we definitely saw the fan bases were well and truly divided. But have either of the team principals cooled slightly as the day wore on today? I think from a I think from Mercedes perspective, you know, I spoke to Toto today. I think he views. I think that there remains the unhappiness about 
the level of language used by Red Bull and how aggressive it's been in its response. And Christian, you know, from Christian's expense today in the FI press conference, that it's their duty as a competitor to leave no stone unturned and push as hard as you can. You know, quite rightly, potentially the 25 points that Max lost at Silverstone or even 18 points he lost at Silverstone could prove pivotal in the end to this World Championship battle. So we, we won't know till the end of the year. So you can understand you know, how significant a race Silverstone could be for the title and why Red Bull's pushing so hard. But equally, there, there probably is a... They probably could have been slightly less aggressive in, in the tone and not caused so much... Kind of fanning the flames, I think, in some respects, is what's, what's happened. Because we've seen these kind of salvos from... Mainly from Red Bull to start with, but now it came back from Mercedes, which has just kind of further kind of revved up the 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 two sides and the argument now doesn't seem to be as much about the accident and um who was to blame i mean i think most people who aren't you know super lewis fans or super max fans and you know stand by their driver think it was you know mainly a a racing accident whether it was 60 40 one way or 70 30 or i don't think people don't view that neither driver was 100 percent to blame neither driver was completely innocent so they both played a little part and you can debate then you're into the grey areas of what the percentages are but ultimately this is a two guys gunning for a world championship with little margins the first lap of a very important race for both of them and they came together um (laughs) (laughs) this is what happens in this is what happens in motor racing it's happened in the past and it's going to happen again in full lawn in the future that title rivals will come together and fight even though neither driver you know deliberately wants it to happen from from Mercedes perspective they're not massively fussed by the situation I mean ultimately they came out with 25 points and the penalty mattered little so um, sporting wise there isn't much to be upset about but I think the way the way it's been played off track has perhaps left them uneasy but equally they are well aware that this is a this is a world championship fight this is a fight for the Formula One title the biggest prizes in motor racing and um, it's very very rare when two teams go up against each other that you don't get tension and stress and ultra competitiveness in the system um, and that's why these things play out like this. Yeah I think that the off track exchange of words has definitely been the more dramatic part of it now in hindsight actually but both team principals have supposedly said that they consider the matter closed now but like you said John we haven't seen the drivers back on track yet and we will see on race day uh, where things stand and just uh, just how they're both feeling about it I guess I mean of course it could be a completely uh, boring race and then (laughs) be a bit of an anticlimax for everyone but I think we'll be able to tell on Sunday how they each approach the race and racing wheel to wheel with each other so I'm counting down until race day already But let's leave the Red Bull and Mercedes drama for a moment, park that, and let's talk about what happened today for FP1 and FP2. So we saw Max Verstappen topping FP1, Valtteri Bottas in FP2. What did you make of the two practice sessions as a whole? Yeah, I mean, it was a a good day for Mercedes and a more difficult day for Red Bull. Um, I think both teams, again, look very, very close, but I think today was basically dictated by the 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 ridiculously hot temperatures um i think track temperature topped 60 degrees or something today it did which is one of the highest 
we see, I think even hotter than you get in the, the Bahrain desert. Um, so it was ridiculously hot today. So that, that was obviously punishing the tyres a lot. And when the tyres get punished to that extent, it can affect tyre wear and tyre balance and tyre management. And I think it's just a day where the Red Bull was suffering from understeer, so they couldn't really get a proper handle on the car. Um, Mercedes was in a much better window. Um, so I think even the, the you know pretty big gaps between the Mercedes and Red Bull in long run pace. Um, but I don't think we saw the full potential of the Red Bull. So I think, again, we've got a very, very close battle between the two teams um, and I think that's all we can say at the moment. I don't mean to say Ivor's particularly got a, a big advantage here, but it doesn't look like, um, as perhaps Mercedes could have feared coming into this weekend, that Red Bull are clear in front and their best bet is just to nip at their heels. I think um, we've got a, a proper head-to-head again, which is uh, great to see. It definitely is good to see. Now, what about a bit further down the field, uh, looking at some of the midfield drivers? Of course, Esteban Ocon looked pretty mighty in FB2. Do you think that that is uh, a, a true pace? Do you think it's something that will carry through the weekend? Or do you think that it could just be Friday showing? As we always say, teams play it differently. We know that McLaren, for instance, always pretty subdued on a Friday and then put it out the bag come Sunday. But what about the Alpine of Esteban Ocon? Yeah, I mean, Ocon's had, you know, had that recent run of um, poor form, um, really struggled to get out of Q1 at at times. And they um, basically replaced a lot of components on the car, gave him a new chassis. Um, They suspect, Mm -hmm. um, I spoke to Marcin Budkowski today, their executive director, just talking about what they had found with Esteban. Because, when the new car rolled onto track at Silverstone, instantly these these problems had gone. Um, they don't have a definitive answer as to what they think the problem was. They, they found a small anomaly on the front suspension. Yeah. Um, but that didn't ex- did not explain the full deficit. Um, however, they think that some of the the poor characteristics that Esteban had been describing when he was struggling fitted in with a potential problem in that area of the car, uh, and it could be one of these. Um, situations where driver feels slightly uncomfortable in one area and lacks a bit of confidence and that triggers problems in another area and the whole thing snowballs so what is a really minor problem becomes something much bigger um so that may explain what happened but then they they aren't sure but you know f1 has a has a tendency sometimes of not offering obvious explanations for big performance swings so but all we know is that the car and chassis got now seems to be working it was a stronger and better day um, for the team. Um, and it will be interesting because they struggled a, struggled a bit at Monaco. It was one of their poorest weekends because they don't seem particularly good in uh, low-speed corners, um, which the Hungaroring has typically been quite similar in kind of car requirements to Monaco. So it'll be encouraging on that front. But I think, again, the track temperatures and high um, kind of the punishing load's been pushed on the tyres today it's kind of skewed things and it's given us a really unclear picture of where things stack especially in that ridiculously tight midfield where um you know tiniest of swings can make you from q3 hero to a a q1 chump (laughs) and what about uh the alpha tauris because of course yuki snoda not a good day um the crash 
in FP1, which saw him sitting out most of FP2. But Pierre Gasly was actually looking pretty comfortable in the AlphaTauri, setting some fast times in both sessions. What did you make of both sides of the garage there? Yeah, bad day for Yuki again. Um, He's had a habit of binning cars too often this season, um, which has frustrated the team. And I think they will, will end up being pretty annoyed today he lost a lot of running he got he got out for i think one out lap and a flying lap in yeah q2 um after repairs from an accident in in p1 and it's lost track time and this is a season where there's uh only two hours of running on a friday so it's really important you get all your long runs and short runs and understanding so to lose one car for most of the day you know bad bad for the team um I'm sure Helmut Marco will be having some stern words with Yuki about the kind of a needless accident. Really, you shouldn't shouldn't be crashing in uh, qualify in practice sessions. So it just achieves absolutely nothing. Um, and for Pierre, it will be encouraging because the, the AlphaTauri started the year struggling in kind of medium speed corners, um, quite lazy on turning. Um, but they worked an awful lot to try to address this this problem. Um, so I think it will will be a boost to him and the team that on a track like this they have shown to be quite good and I think it'll be whether or not the lost data from Yuki's side of the garage holds them back or not or if they can build on and push on from here now we are coming to the end of our time unfortunately that Mercedes and Red Bull chat took up quite a chunk there but looking forward to tomorrow a couple of questions first of all who is your money on for pole and second of all, who else down the field are you looking out for? I mean, we've only touched on a couple of teams here, but of course, lots of other drivers uh, trying to put their best foot forward before we head off into the summer break. So who are you keeping your eye on as well? I think I think I'll still go go from Max Pole just because I think that car is still quickest over a single lap. Um, I think Max will also be super fired up and super determined to make sure he starts this race from the front. So it will be, it'll be an, an added edge to, to his performance. Um, but I think, again, I think the Mercedes remains a very, very strong race car. Um, and the, you know Lewis will whack it on the front row and there'll be tiny, tiny margin between them. But that's my prediction at the prediction at the front. And further down the field, is there any drivers that have stuck out to you that you think could put in a shocker? To- what about, I mean, Esteban... I mean, it'd be, be good for Esteban having had this, you know, started off the season strongly, had that poor run with this, whatever the problem was with the car, bit better at Silverstone. So maybe what about the, you know, something again from Alpine, you know, both Esteban and Fernando pushing on up there and we'll, we'll see if Fernando can, can pull off some magic as well like he did at Silverstone. Yeah, that would be a very good run of weekends for the Alpine team if they do manage to pull it out the bag. We will have to wait and see, though. John, thank you so much for joining me as ever. I appreciate your insight there. And that's all from us. So thank you once again for listening, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.